All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about the best bets you can make on the defensive side of the ball, whether or not the Falcons cornerbacks will live up to the hype, whether or not this pass rush will make significant gains. And if the middle of this Falcons defense is improved in 2022, you are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And I want to thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple Odyssey, Google, Spotify, as well as on YouTube. And if you subscribe to Lockdown Falcons on YouTube, hit that like, hit that bell. You'll get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. So today's episode, we are talking about the best bets you can make on defense. And no, we will not be uh, talking about, you know, bets that you can actually make at bet online. This is sort of piggybacking on something that we did on July 1st, where we did the positional breakdowns on the offense and we, did uh, the episode where the best bets you can make at the offense, looking at some of the key storylines heading into the season, some of the key question marks heading into the season. You know, if you've been listening to these positional breakdowns that we've done on both offense and defense uh, last week, you know, I have the big question of the season for each position group. And so basically today's episode for the defensive side of the ball, we'll be focusing primarily on those big questions and kind of ranking them in order of most likely to happen uh, to least likely to happen with a couple of other uh, concerns mixed in uh, in for the offense that was like, you know, durability and continuity along the offensive line. Uh, but, you know, we'll start for the most likely outcome um, and the best bets that you can make in terms of the improvements that this defense is expected to make this upcoming season. We'll start off with arguably the strongest position on the entire roster. That is the Falcons cornerback room. And our big question for the season at that position was whether or not the Falcons have the potentially the best trio of zone corners in the NFL. And we emphasize zone and we'll circle back to that in a second, but you look at last year in terms of the overall grades from the Falcons three corners in AJ Terrell, uh, Casey Hayward and Isaiah Oliver Terrell had an 83 overall grade according to PFF Hayward was 77. Oliver was 73. Uh, and I don't think there's really any compelling reasons to think uh, that we will see significant drop off, uh, in those grades this season for any of those guys, especially Hayward and Terrell. Uh, maybe there's a concern with Isaiah Oliver, which we'll circle back to in a second related to his injury uh, situation. But the Falcons haven't had three corners grading out above 70 since like 2016, 2017. And we're really kind of rounding up for Brian Poole was in the high 60s in those three years. Uh, now those 2016 and 2017 defenses um, were primarily driven by how good their secondary was. But those secondaries notably played a lot more man than zone. And as I've discussed before, in terms of the Falcons' uses of man versus zone, beyond sort of situationally, like on third downs and in the red zone where the Falcons like to use a lot of man coverage, you know, last year looking at their propensity to play man versus zone, you know, it was 
zone very early in the season, zone very late in the season, but man in the middle of the season. And I think that's primarily driven by the fact that there were certain individual matchups where the Falcons felt like playing, they could man up the opposing team wide receivers games like the saints game uh, among others. And then there were other games, particularly during that middle stretch of the season uh, where the Falcons, I think played a lot more man because they were trying to simplify things for all the rookies that were stepping in for an injured Isaiah Oliver uh, by playing more man coverage and not doing all the complex things that Dean Pease likes to do with his disguise out of zone and whatnot, which gets us to the Isaiah Oliver point. And so the main concern about Isaiah Oliver this season, the one area where you're sitting here going like, I don't know about this bet just simply because he's coming off an ACL tear and there's the potential that there is drop off from him. Now we know that ACL tears aren't sort of as career ending today uh, in the NFL as they were, you know, two decades ago, particularly, you know, for Falcon fans, remember Jamal Anderson and how that kind of derailed his entire career, uh, you know, 20 years ago, but every now and then, you know, still to this day, a Tariq Cohen pops up where we see a player that had an ACL tear and suddenly, you know, they are not able to bounce back to what they were prior to that injury. And we know that the medical side of things has advanced significantly, but they still don't necessarily bat a thousand. So it's not something I'm too worried about with Isaiah Oliver. It's this massive drop off or anything like that, but it is at least something that we have to keep in mind when talking about whether or not we feel comfortable making this bet, but getting back to the zone thing, my one concern about the fact that we have to distinguish between this being the best trio of cornerbacks in the league in zone and not necessarily the best uh, trio in man is I don't know how much having the premier zone corner trio kind of moves the needle. It moves it some certainly, but I don't know if it moves it in, in the ways that we want it to be moved for the defense as a whole, because I look at the other team that could potentially uh, claim that championship belt. This is probably the Philadelphia Eagles based off of their cornerbacks and Darius Slade, James Bradbury and Avante Maddox's zone coverage grades a year ago uh, to PFF. I know Steven Nelson was their cornerback too last year, but you know, notably in 2021, the Eagles had the worst pass defense that they've had in like a decade. Uh, despite having good zone cornerbacks. And then this offseason, even though they did go out there and get James Bradbury, the focus of their defensive improvement was on the front with Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick, et cetera. And so basically that to me kind of tells you that at the end of the day, when you're playing as much zone as we suspect the Falcons are going to be playing, which is probably like 65 to 75% of the time, uh, at least based off of last year, um, you know, does having an elite unit in that really move the needle to a huge degree, at least as much as, you know, getting guys that getting those horses up front that can really get after the quarterback when you're playing with zone and you're primarily relying on four man rushes in order to pressure the quarterback, which is something that the Eagles were not quite good at doing last year, at least as good as they were in the past. And so they tried to uh, resolve that issue this off season. And I suspect that we may find the Falcons doing the same thing, although that, cornerback room allows his defense to take strips forward, we will still see the Falcons needing to focus on that front four. And that will lead us into, you know, drafting Jalen uh, Carter or Will Anderson. And of course, I'm sure you guys are shocked to hear me mention those names. I know yesterday we, we kind of punted on talking about those guys due to the special teams. I couldn't find a way to work that in, but we're going to have to start a ticker. Once I get more advanced with the video side of things, we'll get a ticker up there in the corner or something. Jalen Anderson, I'm sorry, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson references on each episode. We might have a couple more on today's episode as well as, you know, days without incident of, I haven't mentioned one of those two guys on the podcast uh, as we continue this fall. So I, I had to get that out of the way early uh, in the situation, but 
you know, speaking of those impactful pass rushers that will really help uh, move the needle for this uh, Falcons defense, the other sort of better, one of the better bets that you can make, uh, not quite as good as the, the cornerback trio, is that this edge rusher group is going to double their production. And we're focusing on the edge rushers uh, in terms of sack production, not in defense as a whole. I think it's certainly possible that the, the defense could double their sack production, get to 36 sacks. I actually think they'll finish a few sacks shy of that number. So certainly it's a possibility that they, you know, pad a bunch of stats against, I don't know, Justin Fields uh, and get sack him eight times. You know, someone pulls uh, Adrian Claiborne and goes up against a Chaz Green and gets a bunch of sacks to to push them over that 36 mark. But um, we're today we're focusing primarily on the edge rusher group and going back to what we talked about when we did the edge rusher preview. Basically, if you look at last year's edge rushers, they combined for eight and a half sacks and about 68 pressures. And my median projections for this year's group is about 17 sacks and 116 pressures. So that's doubling that outcome. Now, the low end, that medium is basically splitting the difference between the low end and the high end. And like the low end was like seven or eight sacks, um, which is roughly what we did last year. And the high end was like 20-something. I can't remember. And I'm not going to waste your time trying to sell you on the fact that these edge rushers alone are going to give you 20-plus sacks this season. You know, you're listening or watching the wrong podcast if, if you're expecting me to say that. So I will sit there and say, it's possible. Don't get me wrong. We will mention it, but we won't spend much time trying to convince you that, you know, you know, Lorenzo Carter and, and um, Arnold Epichetti are going to both have like nine plus sacks this year uh, to get them into that 20 plus range. So you can put down the gumdrop. You can stop running towards the rainbow in, in that regard. But my projections for Carter is about seven sacks. I have Epichetti in terms of six sacks. If you imagine Grady Jarrett getting five, uh, Eddie Goldman getting two, that puts you at 20 sacks. That puts you over 18 sacks already just from the front four, beating out last year's total. And then you get to 30 if you can just get 10 more sacks from everybody else on the defense. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking Epichetti could get you like two and a half. Uh, 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 D'Angelo Malone gets you one and a half. That's four. So the rest of the group just gets you six and you're at 30. And last year, all the non edges and, and D linemen got you six and a half. Uh, and we know that Dean Pease loves to bring that pressure from the second level from different areas, corners, safeties, linebackers, et cetera. So it's very likely to me then that you will probably get those, you know, six to 10 sacks you need from that second level this upcoming season to break 30 and probably get into that 30, the 32 range. I talked about how Dean Pease wants to bring those four man pressures with those Sims and those, uh, um, Creepers earlier, you know, in June last month, I'll link to that up in the card above if you want to check out that episode. So I, I think it's a, a pretty good bet that we should at least get to 30, 30 to 32 is, is about where I'm kind of projecting it. So only a few more to get to 36. Uh, it's still possible that they could finish in the 25 to 28 range in terms of sacks. I, I think they'll get significantly more than 18 uh, this season, but maybe not a huge, huge amount more. Uh, and, you know, 25 to 28 sacks will get you in the bottom five in terms of sack total most years. You know, 30 to 32 gets you in the bottom 10 to the bottom 12 range. Uh, and, and so sort of that's kind of the general theme uh, where this defense in terms of the strides I expect them to make this season is like in a lot of areas last year, you know, they were 29th or 30th in a lot of defensive metrics 
you know, on that side of the ball, 32nd, obviously, in terms of their sack production. And this year, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, in a lot of these areas, with a couple of exceptions, that they're like 22nd and 24th, uh, you know, and moving up five to seven spots isn't necessarily going to get you a parade down Peachtree, but it does give you some momentum going into next year when you're going out there and, and drafting those difference makers in, you know, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. And yes, I will keep bringing it up as much as I possibly can on this podcast for the next couple of months. Um, and, you know, to me, like this season is really about which role players are keepers, right? Like that's kind of the, the overall theme on the defensive side of the ball. And then next year you hope you, you find those role players. And then next year is all about finding those difference makers, the Will Andersons, the Jalen Carters, et cetera. So, um, that's we'll we'll leave that part of it. And speaking of role players, we'll talk a little bit more as we continue today's episode talking about Eddie Golden uh, and what role and how well he'll fulfill his role on the team and whether or not that's going to help Grady Jarrett have a bounce back year as the next possible best bets that we can make on the defense side of the ball as we continue today's Locked on Falcons episode, guys. But before we get there, I want to plug the Locked on Sports Atlanta podcast family, which Locked on Falcons and Locked on Braves and Locked on Hawks are all part of as well as if you subscribe to locked on sports Atlanta on your preferred podcast platform, uh, you know, Apple Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and YouTube, you will get three different shows, giving you four different perspectives, not only on local Atlanta and Georgia sports, but also national sports. That's A to Z with Mark Zeno hitting hard with John Chuckery and ATL day ones with Jarvis Davis and Tunitra Batiste. Uh, find them on your preferred podcast platform. And if you subscribe to locked on sports Atlanta on YouTube, you will get the Braves post gas presented by locked on Braves, breaking down every Atlanta Braves win and loss this season. Guys, I also want to tell you about a situation that so many of us are familiar with when money can be a little tight, things get a little bit stressful, you're living paycheck to paycheck, and any sort of unexpected expenses can come up and completely, uh, you know, ruin your month or ruin your year. Uh, I know for me, the thing that I've consistently worried about over the years when those situations is my car, given that it's a little bit older and the maintenance fees tend to go up as it ages. Uh, but now I don't have to worry about that because Dave uh, can get me out of those stressful pinches. And Dave is not a person. Dave is a banking app uh, that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. There's no interest, no credit check needed. Millions have already downloaded Dave app and you can too. Just head on over to the app store and download Dave. That's D-A-V-E and sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly for terms and conditions. Go to dave.com slash legal instant transfer fees. Apply banking provided by Evolve member FDIC. Trust me, your future you will thank you. So, guys, before we get into the conversation about Eddie Goldman and what he can do this season as one of the better bets that we can make for the defense this year, I do want to remind you that if you haven't checked it out, uh, Monday on uh, starting on the Locked On NFL feed is the top 50 breakdown. Uh, where, you know, odds makers like Bet Online are ranking the top 50 players that move the needle in terms of the odds, uh, which include, you know, a Falcon or two. Uh, and you will hear the various local experts on the locked on uh, football side of things, breaking down each of those things, disagreeing, agreeing with some of those rankings. It'll be very interesting. You know, we're in the world of Madden rankings and all that. So find out at least some actual experts talking about actual football players and not being upset about pixels online. I know, you know, I, I shouldn't be alienating my audience that are big Madden fans, you know, do you, but also check out the NFL top 50, uh, you know, on Lockdown NFL. So that started on Monday and that's going all week long. So make sure you subscribe to Lockdown NFL on your preferred podcast platform. So let's talk about, uh, 
Eddie Goldman and how good he will be, right? That's one of the big questions for the defensive line group. Uh, I believe that Eddie Goldman is a significant upgrade over what the Falcons had at nose tackle last year. Um, even if he's playing at a down year like he did a year ago with Chicago that led to his release, I still think that's a better player than what the Falcons had at that position with Tyler Davison and Anthony Rush and Taquan, Taquan Graham dabbling here or there, Mike Pennell dabbling here or there at that nose tackle position, at least as far as a pass rush is going. The real issue with Eddie Goldman last year and why he had such a down year was his run defense uh, kind of fell off of a cliff. But when you look at sort of six years in the NFL, five of those six years, uh, I think he graded out above like a 65 or higher in all f- in those first five years until last year, where his grade was like a 40 or something. And then his average PFF grade for those first five years was a 74. So I look at those odds and I say like, the, you know, last year seems to be an outlier in his entire body of work. So it seems like a good bet that he'll have a sort of bounce back year. But it does raise concerns, something that we haven't really talked about when we've talked about Eddie Goldman on this podcast in the past is the one concern that I, at least I know Bears fans online sort of express and questioning whether or not Eddie Goldman was really committed uh, to playing football last year, coming off of the COVID year. And the reason why you haven't heard me talk about that is in general, I don't like talking about players hurt heart or commitment or all those various things. they want to, it just is one of those things that you just don't know enough information about uh, an example of that, you know, that maybe I'm I'm being uh, talking out of turn when I when I use this example but like I remember there was a stretch of games at the beginning of December last year where Chris Lindstrom did not play particularly well uh for like 3 weeks in a row and then in the fourth week his mother passed away uh from cancer from what I understand and you know whether those two things are uh, directly related or not you know, I can only speculate and I won't, but like you look at those situations, it's like sometimes players are going through stuff uh, and they're, you know, they're human beings too. Um, so like, I don't know how much of, of that when it comes to Eddie Goldman um, was due to circumstances that are unknown to us, you know, rather than just simply saying, oh, he just didn't have his heart in the football. But then I look at the situation because I, I know a Bears fan who was surprised that Eddie Goldman wound up signing uh, with the Falcons when he did, because he just assumed that he was done playing football uh, because he went so long without signing. And the fact that Eddie Goldman signed for a veteran minimum contract suggests to you that he's not in it just simply uh, to keep getting them checks, uh, that he's in it to try to bounce back and have a rebound season so that if he is going to get some checks, he's going to get a much bigger check in 2023 than what he's getting in 2022. So that's part of the reason why you know, I'm not as willing to buy in on this notion of Eddie Goldman doesn't have that commitment to football uh, anymore or whatever the case may be. But just in general, I don't like commenting on that. So we'll sort of see on, on that front. But it's worth mentioning and discussing. Uh, to me, the main concern with Eddie Goldman not necessarily reaching his potential here in Atlanta and looking like the player he was in those first five years in Chicago. To me, I'm more concerned with nagging injuries than necessarily his commitment to football in that regard. But we'll just sort of see how that plays out. Uh, we, we hope that Eddie Goldman, you know, allows Grady Jarrett to have a better year. And that's going to be our next best bet that we're going to make uh, in terms of Grady Jarrett having a bounce back year. And when we use bounce back, you know, we're talking about him having a better year than he had a year ago, which was arguably the worst season he's had uh, going back to his rookie season where he barely played. Um, and so, you know, again, I'm not necessarily expecting Grady Jarrett that that top five D tackle, that top three D tackle interior D lineman that he was 
at his peak in the previous years, but I think he's a player that is still going to uh, have a, a much more productive season. But the reason why I'm not as convinced that he's going to just go right back to what he was in part is due to the scheme. Uh, and this part is due to the fact that I think NFL teams will still double him. Now, I think NFL teams will pay for that choice a lot more this year, uh, given all the one-on-ones that we'll see elsewhere where the Falcons have actual competent NFL players like Eddie Goldman and Lorenzo Carter and hopefully Arnold Abichetti, you know, in those one-on-one situations as Grady Jarrett's getting those double teams and those guys will win their one-on-ones more often. But you're, again, you're not looking at a bunch of superstars and this is where we go ding. Cause this is where Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, you know, if you get those superstars, all of a sudden NFL teams are going to be much more worried about doing that because those guys are legit, you know, superstars and whatnot, or at least have the potential to be that. And so then teams will definitely pay and be much, much less inclined to doubling Grady Jarrett in those situations. Um, but, you know, as far as the scheme fit goes, it's not as if like, oh, he's a square peg in a round hole. We've seen a similar player in Jarrell Casey have success in the scheme. And so I'm expecting Grady Jarrett to have a year comparable to what we saw with Jarrell Casey. But the, not- the notable thing about Jarrell Casey, it wasn't as if like this scheme in the two years that he played under Dean P in Tennessee was bringing out the best football we had seen of Darrell Casey uh, in his NFL career. Now, granted, some of that is old to the fact that he's a little older, but he's about the same age then uh, in 2018 when Dean Pease took over that defense as Grady Jarrett is today. Uh, but it's one of those things where like Darrell Casey was very good, but he wasn't necessarily like top five D tackle good you know that that's kind of the point i make so grady jarrett will have a bounce back year but it depends on how you define bounce back bounce back meaning he's going to be like one of the top 20 25 d tackles in the league uh from you know that standpoint yeah uh bounce back in terms of him being a top five d tackle okay let maybe we'll pump the brakes a little bit on that uh so those to me are, are the better bets that you can make you know along the d line at the edge rusher position, at the cornerback position. And I'm really hoping that these moves kind of help better facilitate uh, this defensive improvement that we're expecting to see this upcoming season. And then the rest of the bets, you know, I won't say they're bad bets, but to me, they're much more toss-ups and maybe it's my bias, um, but they're not as meaningful if they, you know, if they do come true, that's great. If they don't come true, you know, I, I think the defense is, is still going to be fine. Uh, just we'll have a couple more holes that they'll have to plug it. And those focus on the linebacker position, the safety position, and as well as the cornerback depth. And we'll get into those lesser bets uh, as we wrap up today's episode, guys. But I want to tell you about the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And of course, Longtime listeners know I'm talking to you about Built Bar, but Built Bars are even better than a candy bar because Built Bars not only taste good, they're good for you since they're low in sugar, calories, and carbs, but high in protein and fiber. And Built Bar is always unveiling uh, limited time flavors. Probably by the time most of you guys are checking this out, they've just launched the new s'mores flavor. You also can go and check out the coconut brownie chunk flavor. Coconut brownie chunk was Built Bar's best flavor, according to their 2020 March Madness, you know, best flavor uh, poll. And now they're adding puffs to it with that sort of chewy, fluffy, marshmallowy goodness that's covered in 100% real chocolate. And all Built Bar flavors are covered in 100% real chocolate. So find your favorite, order one of these limited time options, or get your your tried and trues like coconut almond or peanut butter brownie or cookies and cream by heading over to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's locked 15 L O C K E D one five for 15% off at built.com. So wrapping up today's, you know, talking about some of the toss up bets 
um, you know, for this defense this season. And we'll start with the linebacker position. And sort of the question we have for there is, will sort of the new faces uh, with sort of basically three new guys and Troy Anderson, Rashawn Evans, and Nick Kwiatkowski lead to this unit being better, more consistent, or being uh, upgraded uh, is certainly a question. I, I certainly think it's possible, but sort of my expectations are probably more accurately my hopes are that you're probably going to get a wash. Uh, from this group, right? Like, I think you're getting upgrades, particularly with Kwiatkowski and Evans, who I expect will be the week one starters. You're getting better run defenders from what you had a year ago with Foye Aluakun and Deion Jones, but you're probably getting worse coverage, guys. Uh, and that's where kind of Troy Anderson and, and Michael Walker sort of figure into it, because my expectations is those guys will get some opportunities in the nickel to help try to offset that. But it's kind of like you're throwing four guys out there and hoping that the combination of those four uh, you know, give you sort of two complete linebackers. And that's not necessarily a great bet in my, uh, my, my eyes. Certainly it's a possibility that, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts or whatever that version of that, uh, you know, idiom or, or quote is. I, I don't always know exactly how it goes. Uh, but, you know, I think that's a, certainly a possibility, but I don't know if, you know, I've heard of running back committees where you can have, you know, three or four guys rotating in there and, and they add up uh, to be greater than the sum of their parts. But you don't necessarily hear that often happening at the linebacker position. I think there's a reason for that, which is why I, I'm kind of expecting it to be kind of a wash uh, is, is sort of the better case scenario, but certainly uh, a possibility that they're upgrading. Uh, the next position we'll talk about is the safety position and talking about upgrades, you know, whether or not these young safeties with Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins expected to be the starters this year, taking over for Eric Harrison to Ron Harmon, are those guys going to be upgrades? And one of the things we talked about in the safety breakdown is my expectations that you'll probably see more splash plays uh, from Grant and Hawkins, you know, interceptions, past breakups than you saw a year ago from Harmon and Harris. But you may also see those mistakes, those blown coverages, those missed tackles also uh, ratchet up as well uh, that come with sort of youth and inexperience. Uh, and one of the ways I likened it was if you look at last season, the Falcons were 13th uh, in the NFL in terms of big plays allowed those 20 plus yard plays uh, and they were 20th in takeaways. And I imagine a scenario where you could see those two stats flip, right? And they'll be 13th in takeaways and 20th in big plays allowed to facilitate what we just talked about. And, you know, some people will see that as a good thing. Your mileage may vary on that. I'm pretty confident that most fans will, will take more interceptions and more pass breakups. Uh, if, if, even if that means giving up more big plays, uh, you know, I'm not as convinced that the coaching staff, <laughs> um, you know, is, is a fan of that idea, uh, given their more conservative leanings in that regard, but we'll sort of see if that comes to fruition or if these guys, you know, or the the way that the coaching staff, I think, would like to see it is more splash plays, more big plays, uh, you know, created by this young group and, you know, even less big plays given up uh, by this group. Uh, so we'll see if they get their wish in that regard. And the sort of the last thing that we'll talk about, the the the, the last bet that we'll make that, you know, to me just is 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 still a toss up. Again, not saying it's a bad bet or anything. We just don't know, right? And that's going to be sort of if there's cornerback depth developed because this is the time of year where me specifically, I tend to worry a little bit more about depth than your average fan. And, you know, training camp and preseason is really the time where you can find out where you're weak at and where you're strong at from a depth standpoint. Are these guys ready to step in and play uh, should the event, uh, you know, 
happen because, you know, we know the starters aren't going to get that many reps uh, in the preseason. So these backups will get some golden opportunities. Um, at least that's what should happen, assuming Arthur Smith uh, actually plays some of these backups in the preseason, which he refused to do last year. But he's already made promises, and we're going to hold him to that. that he, he will uh, change that approach uh, this um, this summer. But, you know, I, I think the concern you have is, and the reason why this is a concern to me, because I've seen Falcon seasons get derailed simply because they don't have adequate depth. I think back to the 2019 season where they decided instead of adding a, another safety to be Keanu Neal's backup, they were just going to roll with Kamal Ishmael. And to me, that led to disastrous results that season. Uh, I can think of the 2013 season where the Falcons were overly confident in, you know, Drew Davis and Kevin Cohn being able to step up in the event of injuries to any other wide receivers and that kind of derailed their season. I'm sure maybe you guys can think of some other examples where depth really uh, sort of you know, caught the team off guard uh, in that regard. But, you know, given that the cornerback room is the strength of this team that we talked about at the top of today's episode, you know, as they say, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And all of a sudden, you know, someone tweaks an injury, uh, an ankle or whatever the case may be, all of a sudden you go from something that is your biggest strength to what is potentially uh, a, a glaring weakness if you don't have that adequate depth. If you're out there throwing a TJ Green or a Chris, Chris Williamson out there, uh, guys that are more liabilities than not at that cornerback position, and if the Falcons are doing that again this year, that's going to spell trouble uh, for them that sort of mitigates all their strengths that they may have at that cornerback position. And we'll see if D. Alford and Darren Hall and somebody else um, already on this roster or somebody else that they pick up along the way are capable of stepping up and, and giving you more value than that. But it is a legit concern for me. Now, I know there are some of you out there that don't like hearing me talk about injuries because you think it's a jinx, which I just kind of find silly because like football is the most violent sport you know, one of the most violent sports ever invented by human beings, injuries do happen. You know, it's a sport that not to be glib about this, but like based off of the information we know today, suspect there's like a over a 90% chance that if you play football for a certain amount of years, you're going to wind up with brain damage. And yet, you know, me talking about someone, you know, twisting an ankle or somehow as a jinx or whatever the case may be, it just feels silly uh, to me to, to not, talk about injuries uh, and, and not talk about the, the value of, of depth and having that on the roster, particularly during this time of year, where hopefully, again, hopefully, this is the only time you get to see these backups for extended reps. But we know that's not going to be the case. So it's worth having that conversation um, about these guys. So that's kind of how I feel about it. And that's kind of where we'll leave it today. Again, I think the defense overall is moving in the right direction. It's just a question of how you know big a leap that is. Again, I, I don't think this is you know, a complete defense. I don't think this is a playoff defense quite yet, you know, maybe in a year or two, uh, you know, with Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, again, got to do it. Um, you know, we might be having a different conversation about that uh, if we can continue to build off of these strengths uh, and solidify some of these weaknesses. But as I said earlier, like to me, a lot of this year is like, okay, which of these safeties are worth keeping, you know, long-term as a starter? Or any of these linebackers uh, any good, particularly the veteran guys, um, you know, and then what do we learn about Troy Anderson and Michael Walker, you know, or any of these D linemen, you know, Marlon Davidson, Taquan Graham, you know, worthwhile or whatever the case may be, which of these edge rushers really shows uh, significant growth or whatever the case may be. So, again, all these things 
you know, we're hoping to see. It's about the role players stepping up. We know Grady Jarrett's good. We know AJ Terrell's good. It, you know, we think Casey Hayward and Eddie Goldman have the ca- capacity to be good, but everybody else is kind of a question mark. You know, Isaiah Oliver, we can throw him into that list as well as as players that we believe are good. Uh, you know, I don't know if we know Isaiah Oliver. We've seen four games of him being really good and then, you know, a lot of just okay stuff. So we'll see if he can, you know, tip those scales and, and add to that total of, of four games this year. So that's really what, you know, this season to me is, is really about. And I don't know what we'll talk about tomorrow because tomorrow uh, rookies will be reporting. So maybe there'll be news or something like that. Uh, if not, then we'll find something to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about matter ratings, right? I know that's a big topic for some of you guys out there and why, you know, how dare they not put Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, give him more than a 90 uh, catch rating and how this is just, you know, uh, a travesty, a miscarriage of justice. You know, maybe I can, Build up the outrage uh, for tomorrow's episode. So we'll see how that plays out, guys. But we'll have some guests later on in the week uh, to join us and talk a little bit more about training camp and whatnot. So uh, that's the plan for now, guys. Uh, And uh, we'll see what's on deck. You know, maybe we'll do something else. Uh, You know, I'm I'm tinkering with the idea of of breakout candidates. uh, So maybe we'll do that. But I kind of want to wait on that. So we'll see. But you know. Perfect opportunity for you guys to submit questions if you want those answered. Uh, we we like to do Q and A's as like you know it's not filler, but it is one of those things where it's like I don't really have a compelling take to give you, so you know you guys give me something to be compelling about. Uh, so you can always hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, send an email to lockdownfalcons at mail dot com, or you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel, guys. That's going to do it for us. Go check out Lockdown NFO as your second listen after you've made Lockdown Falcons your first listen. To check out that top fifty, check out Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Hawks, Lockdown Bulldogs, Lockdown Sports Atlanta, all the local shows and whatnot on your preferred podcast platform. Appreciate it, guys. Till then. <laughs>